and welcome to a bonus edition of the Game Theory Podcast. This is what happens when one of the three best players on planet Earth randomly decides to wake up in the morning and request a trade. Or how random was it? I don't know. We will find out when we talk to Alex Schiffer, our intrepid Brooklyn Nets beat writer over at The Athletic. We're talking all things Kevin Durant. As you can see in the lower third on this YouTube stream, this will obviously also go up on the podcast feed as a bonus episode for everyone. Kevin Durant has requested a trade. I woke up this morning at 645, happened to look at my phone to see the time, had like 40 text messages that were unread. I figured something had happened. I didn't know what it was until I looked at Twitter and saw literally just bomb after bomb after bomb of Kevin Durant uh, content. So, Alex, how has your day been? I just woke up. I would imagine you've been awake for a while now. So around the same time you had 40 unanswered text messages, I had the same thing. But about half of that was NBA people. Half of that was my friend saying, thoughts and prayers, pal. See you on the other side. Text me when you have a breather. So... So I, I take it yours was more NBA people and basketball people in your messages and not as many uh, moments of support. Yeah, you know, I, I had some friends like ask like what's going on, but it was more like what in the world just happened here? Uh, how did this madness occur? Uh, you know, we thought when Kyrie resigned or you know opted into his deal that Kevin would probably just stick around. A lot of that stuff. So. As we get into everything here, we're talking 30 minutes of Kevin Durant. This is going to be its own episode. This is its own deal right now, right? We're not getting into anything else. From your perspective, as someone who is plugged into all of this, can you take me through the last, I guess it would be 96 hours from Kyrie Irving, you know, flirting with whatever the hell Kyrie was flirting with doing before he decided to opt in, and then to today where Kevin Durant apparently decided to walk into Joe Sy's office and explain, I would like to be traded from the Brooklyn Nets. I, I looked at it more as like an episode of Shark Tank, given KD's like an investor and walked in and just said, I'm out. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, going back to Monday, you know, I've been asked a lot in the past two hours, how surprised I am by all of this. And I think in the moment, you know, like when I saw the Shams text, I literally said, oh, my God. And I wasn't totally surprised, but, I mean, still, it's just such shocking news. Like, I mean, you know, it's kind of instinct at that point. But, you know, Kyrie opting in to the player option, I don't think anybody uh, – I, I strongly disagree with anybody that thought him opting in was enough to kind of calm the waters because there was so much stuff that I was hearing beforehand, some of which I still can't talk about just because – I don't think it's over per se still to where it's just like, there's no way common sense taken over. Just like, there's no way this guy opting in fixes everything I just heard. So, but you know, for a while, then you start to hear about, you know, the Nets going after PJ Tucker and some of these proposed moves. And you think about, well, to me, there was a brief time where I had like a last dance vibe. And I know I'm comparing a bulls dynasty to a train wreck and that, and Scotty Pippen and Rodman and Jordan would probably like club me if they were listening to this. But just this idea of like they're going to give this one more year before punting on if it doesn't work out. But, you know, hindsight 2020, after you get the text about KD asking for a trade, well, if you're the Nets, are you really going to go into free agency without having some clarity on the situation? 
I heavily doubt it. So when you think about the timing of everything, it kind of makes sense. But that, I mean, the shock factor, given that a year ago they'd only, you know, it's 18 months since they first traded for James Harden. It's just been a crazy whirlwind of all this. So surprised, not totally, but given the way that things were going, I mean, you could, um, let me rephrase that. I'm not surprised that this is how we got here. I guess I'm a little surprised it happened this quickly, given how, given what I guess was being exchanged over text messages to me with some people uh, for a few days, thinking maybe, well, they're going to give this one more shot. And then like, oh, wait, no, totally no. So, yeah, you're surprised you about the I'm still processing it from my, yeah. from my stuttering. Yeah. <laughs> you're surprised about the timeline. Like, this happened fucking quick. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, like the just... timeline makes sense when you think about it as a whole, but then also it's just like, wait, what? You know, there's definitely some whiplash in there. Yeah, definitely. So let's, before we get into like formulating Kevin Durant trades and like the way that this is going to go, it seems like basically he just walked into Josiah's office and was like, Hey, I would like to not be here next year. Is, does that sound right to you? Like what can, can yeah. you kind of give the context of like how this whole thing went down over the last, you know, I guess maybe eight hours, six hours, three yeah. hours, whatever. He, he addressed Joe Sy in person and says, and said, I want out. He formally did. It wasn't like Bill Belichick resigning as the Jets coach on a napkin. There was none of that. Um, he, he went into Joe's office and essentially, I don't even think it was an airing of grievances because I think they already kind of knew where they stood, but it was like a formality at that point almost. The Nets, yeah. to my understanding, were not surprised. Like they, they kind of saw this coming. So if they saw this coming, <laughs> I, I guess that where I'm struggling with is if they saw this coming, their move right before that, the Royce O'Neal trade, right? Or, you know, that happened concurrently with that, I guess is a better way to put it. Seems like a move that you would make if this wasn't coming, right? Like Royce O'Neal is the exact guy that I've been saying that they should pair with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Go find a 3 and D guy that can work with Ben Simmons. You can throw him on the court with Joe Harris. You can throw him into a lot of different lineup constructions that that work. I loved that acquisition right until I saw that Kevin Durant also wanted to trade and that this thing is probably going to be blown up. So I guess that like what I'm struggling with is that their moves signing Nick Claxton to a two year, 20 deal for as young as Nick is uh, you either would, I would think want to sign him longer term to get the contract security over him, or you would want to like just hold off until you have clarity on the roster. Royce O'Neal's acquisition. It just feels like, I don't want to say they're scrambling. I mean, I'm sure that there's a little bit of that in the front office, right? But like, it feels like some of the moves right now are incongruous with all of this that's happening, you know, in terms of the major machinations with Kevin Durant. Does that feel like that's accurate to you? No, I, I completely agree with everything you said. You know, I had been tipped off about the Royce O'Neal trade, about their offer being on the table for the 2023 first from Philly. What's today? Thursday? I, can't remember. I, I want to say I woke up Tuesday to that. So they, they've been planning for that for a long time. I'm led to believe that they were planning for that bef- with the idea of Kevin and Kyrie being gone, which, as you said, is interesting because I, I too, had him at the top of my list. of You know, they had the trade exception expiring, I think, uh, July 6th, the $11.3 million one that yeah. he slides into. 
Yes, yeah, so, it's the Harden trade exception, right? Yes. Um, or no, 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 use, it would no, be the Spencer Dinwiddie one. Correct, because they use the Harden one yeah. for. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's the second Harden one because they use the Dinwiddie one for Seth Curry in the Harden trade. Um, they no, created you're essentially right. an identical yeah, right. one. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting, as you said, with some of these moves, because now I don't want to get off track on the conversation. But, you know, I think some Nets fans are already talking about this as like the second coming of the post Celtics trade apocalypse. But it's not going to be that because those teams were left with absolutely nothing. Yeah. And this could be potentially the biggest trade haul in NBA history, depending upon how this comes out. And yeah. I had someone tell me that the Nets want multiple all stars back for Kevin Durant. We'll see how that looks. But. I, so they're they're not looking they're not thinking lottery they're not entering the the Victor Wayne Mignogna sweepstakes even though it seems like a great thing to do right now um, they seem to be trying maybe they're not you know a contender on paper but I think they're trying to still be a playoff team next year even if that's the bottom half play playing type deal and maybe Royce O'Neal still fits their plans on that I don't necessarily think either it's a done deal does Royce O'Neal play a minute for the Nets next year. You have to wonder if he comes up in some of these trade talks with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, too, just based on, I mean, Kyrie Irving will be in the market for some contenders like the Lakers. Uh, does throwing Royce O'Neal into some of these things maybe get them a sweeter pot back, too? I don't know. So he is, you know, I think he's 32. I just looked his age up. So you think this team's trying to get younger. I, I don't necessarily think that it's a done deal. Royce O'Neal stays a net just given some of the things that the shoe's still to drop. Well, let's be real about it, too. They can't tank. They, they actually literally can't tank. All yes. of their picks from 2023 to 2027, uh, either via pick swap or via just trading the pick, Houston. belong to the Houston Rockets from the James Harden deal. This is, you know, this was essentially Houston's bet. I remember that the Rockets got kind of savaged for this move where they decided, hey, let's bet on a team imploding, basically, and taking all of their draft assets. Well, this is why they did it. Like, this is the exact circumstance that they bet on. And now the Nets are in a space where they have to figure this thing out on the fly. And they're going to have to go out and get guys that can play now. Yeah. And I, I mean, let, let's talk trade packages now because I find all of this very interesting. So the name that Adrian Wojnarowski, ESPN, reported uh, were – Phoenix and Miami. Those were the two teams that were specifically referenced in regard to Kevin Durant. Phoenix, I would imagine it's some construction of DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges. I think that you can make a case that that is two all-star level talents, uh, if things go right, for Kevin Durant. Um, I've seen a subsequent report saying something like uh, they won't trade him to Phoenix except for Devin Booker. That seems ridiculous to me, to be honest. Maybe he doesn't go to Phoenix, but like you're not moving Devin Booker after he just signed this four-year extension. I don't even think he's eligible to be moved, to be honest. No, he's not. So not like that extension, yeah, he's off the table. Yeah, so like th- that seems ridiculous to me. Um, having said that, the Phoenix thing gets complicated, which. I'm sure you have now delved deeply into in regard to the collective bargaining agreement machinations without getting on a five minute explainer on base year compensation. Can you explain why this is more difficult than meets the eye in order for a DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges package to go to the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, I'm pretty sure 
the money in terms of what Phoenix would be sending and what the Nets would be sending in terms of salary gets tricky on that front. I think the luxury tax apron comes into play too, I want to say, with some of this. Right. Which I yeah, which I think is the, the quickest way. And while we're on the CBA, you know, Bam Adebayo's been talked about a lot with all this with Miami, but he's ineligible also because of a CBA clause where you cannot trade for two guys on rookie extensions, and the Nets already having Ben Simmons, he counts as Rose the one. rule rookie extensions. That is, yes, yes, yeah. So yeah, no, I've uh, I feel like Larry Coon today with the amount of CBA exceptions I've uh, I've had to brush up on. <laughs> it's complicated, man. Like this is this is going to be a wild one. And so if you're Miami, you don't have all of your picks moving forward. I think you have quite a few of them, like not a crazy amount though. So it's like Tyler Hero and like all of your drafts moving forward. I don't think that's going to be the best offer on the table. Um, If you're Phoenix, it's DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges. Essentially, the way this works is that the Royce O'Neal thing actually hamstrings Brooklyn a little bit here in regard to being close to the apron because their money is higher. If you bring in a player via sign and trade like Brooklyn would be doing with DeAndre Ayton, that player, uh, you cannot as a team uh, go over the apron, which is like what thirty-five million above the uh, salary tax, cap. I think. Yeah, yeah, something like that. It's right around the luxury tax line. It's a little bit higher than the luxury tax line. Yeah. Um. So that complicates things to a substantial extent. On top of it, you're subject to base year compensation rules, which I don't really want to get into because I don't think anyone cares about this. Um, It makes it more complicated. The way that you work around it is essentially you pay a team with one of the many first round picks that they're going to get to take Landry Shamit off of Phoenix's hands. If I remember correctly with how this would work. Um, And then you can kind of like make the money fit into the very night, like nice, tight, narrow window that you have to fit it into. Yeah. Um, It is possible though, is the point here. Like a Phoenix, DeAndre eight, Mikael Bridges deal. It's feasible. It's possible. It's doable. I, it's going to be complicated. I don't think it's something that would happen today necessarily because of all of this on top of it. Like, is DeAndre Ayton going to be amenable to helping Phoenix? It seems like there's some real, like, you know, unhappiness there between the two parties based on reporting, not based off of anything I know. So I don't know, man. Like, when you look at those two teams, do you, do you think it ends there? Or do you think that this gets expanded out into a league-wide situation from Brooklyn's perspective? Yeah, I mean, if I'm Sean Marks, I'm going like eBay style on this, right? I'm taking highest bidder, best offer. I just signed Kevin Durant to a four-year extension last summer. Now he wants out. I don't really think I owe him anything. You know, um, I was going to throw a trade out for you to see what you think. If I'm Sean Marks, I'm trying to get the best, you know, 21 or under player or around that age, you know, some guy to build around. Uh, There's this guy in New Orleans, Sam. You might not see him play lately because he didn't play well this year, but he wants to play in New York. He's under, you know, he's young and you could still stake him. If You know, all right, Zion for KD, if, if you haven't gotten the hints by now, he knows Willie Green from Golden State. 
They have CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram. They and, and a nice core there to really compete. And if you're Zion, you get your wish, you get out of there. You're in New York. You're the franchise face of Brooklyn. And you have some other pieces there to keep you relevant in a playoff team. And they build around him. And he's the guy that they can market getting free agents alongside and all that. Uh, and And he's been a headache for them. But I don't think anything tops the headache they've had this past year. Uh, thoughts? I don't mind it. I mean – You'd have to do it before he signs an extension. The rookie extension, exactly. That's that's the one caveat I missed out. So thank you. Uh, I, look, in terms of upside, I don't know that they're going to do any better. Like in terms of just like sheer player, one player upside, I think Zion can be one of the three best players in the league. I, I dig it. Like what you move, you move Zion. CJ and something basically for Kevin Durant. You have all these picks as well. New Orleans has all the picks from the Drew Holiday deal, all the picks from the Anthony Davis deal. I mean, just to make the money work, you basically have to move, I would imagine, one of, uh, I guess not, because they have the Devontae Graham deal. They have like, uh, they, they might be able to get to the point where the money works without including CJ. Yeah. I, look, CJ McCollum's a big fan of Brooklyn. Fun fact. I think he got married in New York city cause he loves it so much. So he wouldn't okay. be, he, I think he'd be amenable to that, but yeah, they have, to, to your point, I think they have a lot of options there with roster of who they could throw in. Yeah. Uh, the one that yelled just screamed out to me was Toronto. I'll be honest. Like w- when I, when I immediately saw this, I was just like, Okay, uh, Toronto has Scotty Barnes, and I know the Toronto fans are going to be upset that you know, you bring up Scotty Barnes into a conversation for a trade. He's a guy that they just drafted last year. He won Rookie of the Year. He's you know on track to be a many-time All Star. I think that's what it takes to get Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is one of the ten best players of all time. Like it, that's what it comes down to. You have to move someone like Scotty Barnes if you want to get in the sweepstakes. It's Scotty Barnes. It's OG Ananobi, it's Gary Trent, and it's picks. And then you build around Fred, uh, Pascal Siakam, and Kevin Durant, and you maybe go out and you find uh, guys along the margins that work. Uh, Again, like I get that, you know, maybe you're not enthused about moving all of that, but it's Kevin goddamn Durant. You make it work. Like, (laughs) yeah. I took someone, I did a Toronto radio hit earlier today. I took a look at their roster, and we said the same thing. Uh, the radio hosts I was talking to were more interested in throwing in Siakam over OG, but I, I figured given the trade buzz around OG lately, that was a no-brainer. Um, yeah, I, I don't get that because people do that. Pascal Siakam is like much better than OG. I agree. OG. I agree. I If I were like, the Nets, I would ask for Siakam, but I wouldn't be upset taking OG either. Right. They've, like, lacked, they've lacked that exact kind of guy in past years, the Nets. Yeah, like I, I love both of them. I think they're both absolutely outstanding. Uh, the level to which Pascal Siakam is a better basketball player than OG Ananobi is like substantial. Like one is yeah. a legit. I think he's made All NBA twice now. Pascal Siakam. Uh, one is a really good starter on a playoff team who can shoot, who is developing his ability to handle the ball. He's just kind of. It's like kind of not close. Uh, yeah. Like, no, I think yeah. I think they're a real possibility. Uh, you wonder about Boston. I mean, Kevin is a huge fan of Ime Udoka, who was a Nets assistant last year and also with Team USA. 
uh, with Jalen Brown. I don't see. I don't think the Celtics have enough draft asset wise, or just even you know throw in wise. You talk about some of these younger guys. I mean, who do they have outside of Jalen Brown? That's a real uh, that. I would take Gary Trent or some of these other guys we've talked about as as throw-ins than some of Boston's options, but I think they can make a competitive offer. Um, and then after that, you know, I've also wondered about Atlanta. Does it, you know, they they gave up a lot in terms of draft equity, but they also still have a lot down there in terms of John Collins and and some other guys. Um, I, look, I don't think that's doable. I, I th- yeah. if you would have asked me yesterday pre Dejounte Murray, yeah, the Dejounte Murray deal, I would have said yes. I wonder if the DeJounte Murray deal kind of hamstrings them now in terms of being able to do that. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. I don't know who else. You know, the Lakers and Clippers to me are too hamstrung just based on lack of draft capital. And I don't I mean, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd yeah. see him going to team up with LeBron, but the Clippers would be interesting. And they, you know, with the Kyrie signing trade, when I was looking at their roster, I thought they had a lot of depth to maybe – you're not getting a one-for-one one back with Kyrie, but like Norman Powell, Terrence Mann – they have a lot there to where you look down the roster, they could give up some of those guys and still be competitive next year. But, I mean, you have to figure they're going to be getting calls from everybody. I, that's why I go back to highest bidder. Like, they don't know Kevin Durant's uh, uh, preference of location. They need to be worried about themselves now at this point because, as you said, they just can't tank. Yeah, they, they really don't owe Kevin Durant anything. I mean, the other one, I've been talking about Memphis for a long time as yes. like a sleeping giant for a team that can do something here. Like Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain is a great offer. That is a yeah. phenomenal. I might still rather have the Toronto offer, if only because I think that Scotty Barnes, given especially the Jaron Jackson foot injury and everything, I think Scotty's probably the best asset in that deal. Um, but Memphis, you know, obviously has done an incredible job of hoarding assets over the years and has done a great job of, you know, setting themselves up to be in the mix for something like this. It's just, I don't know if Memphis would make an all in move like this. And, and I think like a big part of this that's worth considering before we even go down the road of like more fake trades is we can talk about Kevin Durant being on a four year contract as if that matters, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the case of Brooklyn's leverage in this trade negotiation, it does matter. Mm-hmm. But when you're the team that's acquiring Kevin Durant, if it doesn't go well in the first year, I don't know that I would feel like incredibly confident that this is a four-year deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like you're going to be able to then move him for assets again, probably on diminishing returns on some level. And that matters whenever you're going out and acquiring a guy. But like, I don't know that we should think of these superstar players as being under team control for X number of years anymore. It's just kind of not the way it works anymore. And it's tough. Like it's, if you're a team that's acquiring the fact that he's under a four year deal absolutely matters because you know, if, if it goes well, great. You have him for four years. Fantastic. If it doesn't go well, you can then trade him onwards and recoup some of your assets that you traded. But I, I just think that it's more complicated of a conversation than saying, oh, yeah, Kevin Durant, he's locked in for four years if we trade for him. I agree. You know, his contract extension was so rare. I remember in the moment when I saw it, like no opt outs, no options. And as you said, we kind of live in the era where a lot of these guys are taking one plus ones or, or maybe two plus ones, but mainly one plus ones. And I, I, I have a hard time believing, you know, I don't really I, – I had no problems with Kevin Durant covering him in Brooklyn. He and I got along. 
Um, as James Herbert from CBS Sports reminded me, I asked Kevin the last question of his net tenure, which is just as we were walking out the media door, did you end up seeing Batman? Um, but I do think that, like, the answer is yes, by the way. You watch it, like, five times. But I, I well, do think that people yeah. are going to look at this and say, you know, he got his way completely in Brooklyn. When you look at the assistant coaches they were adding, they, a lot of them had ties to him, Steve Nash. I, I think that while they're going to get a big return for us, I'm sure that there are going to be some organizations taking him, thinking about going all in for this year, but also thinking, as you said, like, well, he got everything he wanted in Brooklyn and it didn't go his way. And again, some of that's bad luck with injuries, the vaccine mandates. No one saw any of this coming when they signed. But I, I do think that there will be some skepticism wherever he goes of like that this is his last stop. Because I thought yeah. a lot of people thought the Nets were his last stop and look at where we are today. Yeah, I think that if you're a team that's considering this, you basically have to be all in right now like you can't you can't be kind of in the middle that's why like i've seen minnesota for instance raised you know tim Connolly tried to go out and you know poach kevin durant poach lebron james you know from different times into denver right i just don't know if minnesota is close enough like if it's carl like so the the deal would be what anthony edwards and pick capital and then you're pairing you know, Kevin Durant, D'Angelo, well, you'd probably have to move Russell for contract reasons. So it'd probably be Russell yeah. and Edwards. And then you're pairing Durant and Towns and like, that's really all you got. I yeah. guess you can build around that for sure, but you're moving additional draft capital on top of that. That's going to make it more difficult to build. Um, like, you know, Utah, I think doesn't make any sense. Dallas just doesn't have the draft capital. No. Um, Milwaukee doesn't really have the draft capital. Uh, Philadelphia, i can't imagine them getting in the mix here. Chicago is like, you know, not really all that interesting, I guess. Like it would have to be like Pat Williams and like almost DeMar DeRozan. I don't really see What do you think that. about Denver? Denver's interesting. You know, if it's what are you saying? Like Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr.? Well, I, I don't know if I would touch Michael Porter Jr. Just given his back history in that contract. I don't know how much of that's the guarantees versus the incentives, but yeah. Jamal Murray, I mean, they have some – they also – I look at teams when it comes to, like, throw-ins, right? You know, Bones Highland seems like a nice young player that they could probably throw in, and then you have some of their supporting cast, right, when it comes to – I mean, well, I guess when I wouldn't take Jeff Green. I'm trying to think of all these rosters off the top well, of Well, here, my head, here, let's let's but, just go totally crazy with this, right? Let's just go completely off the fucking rails. Okay. Uh, Drunk Denver edition. is weirdly one of the teams – you know, I've seen, I saw Brian Windhorst earlier. By the way, Windhorst has been ahead of the game on this, like, the whole time that he's yeah. been talking. Man's been living um, on TV hits. God bless him. Yeah. Uh, Windhorst mentioned that the Lakers are one of the few teams that essentially could create a package for um, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Are we sure Denver can't do it? Because Denver has the two max guys in yeah. Jamal Murray – and MPJ, yeah, Michael Porter Jr., and then you can throw in Bones Highland, Christian Brown, um, you know, Peyton Watson, all of your future firsts, everything yeah. like that. You'd then have a trio of Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Jokic, Jokic, which that is a terrifying, terrifying, terrifyingly talented offensive trio, yeah, uh, that would actualize Kyrie as a scorer would set up Kevin Durant in every way because of how unselfish Nikola Jokic is. I, I think this is like a not an idea I think I would go down. I don't know that I would want to deal with Kyrie, and we should take a little bit of time here at the end to talk about Kyrie mm-hmm. and where he fits into this. But from a math perspective, Denver is one of the few teams that if 
Kevin Durant and Kyrie do decide to be like sticklers about wanting to play together. That isn't like mathematically impossible. This is just like pure speculation on my part. This is not anything worth aggregating for the before uh, before we move on to Kyrie. A devil's advocate thought on Denver. You talk about like best offers and how they would stack up. You have Michael Porter, who has a history of back problems, to hang out with Ben Simmons, his history of back problems. Maybe they can exchange chiropractors. Jamal Murray's coming off an ACL. I would just argue if you're the Nets, you could probably get a better offer when it comes to the medical than than Denver. I don't think that's the worst offer. I think there's worse. But I just think when it comes to – are you like the, again? The Nets can't get this wrong. Like I would argue, Sean Marks is hinging his job on this trade. Yeah, you can't get this wrong. I just don't see trading for guys with those kind of damage goods. And look, I, I was Michael Porter Jr.'s beat writer in high school when he was in high school and college. I'm worried about his back going forward. From everything I've been told, I wouldn't. I I would be up late at night. Sean Marks is trying to get a good night's sleep at the end of all this, right? I don't know if yeah. I would be getting that if I traded for that package. No, I think you're right. I think that's all reasonable. Um, I, I get that. And it's probably not what my number one offer, my, my, my offer remains Toronto, like do Toronto. Like if you can get Scotty Barnes and an OB and Trent, Scotty Barnes, I think is probably your best high upside swing that you can get wherever you're moving Kevin Durant to, because you're moving him to a contender. If you're getting all of the draft pick capital back, you're probably not getting, uh, you know, super high end assets back in terms of the draft. Uh, you should absolutely take as much as you can, as Houston just learned here with all of this. But I don't know that you can bank on that either, necessarily being the primary driver of your value in a Kevin Durant trade. Um, Toronto makes the most sense to me personally. I liked your New Orleans idea. I think that's also really interesting. Um, but yeah, like Phoenix also is like, look, if you're getting DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges, that also I think lines up like pretty realistically with where Brooklyn is. You move, you have Mikael Bridges, Ben Simmons, DeAndre Ayton. That's an interesting young core, albeit one that I have questions about unless DeAndre learns to shoot. Um, also cl- questions about how Nick Claxton would fit into all of this. Yeah. And speaking of fitting into all of this, Kyrie Irving, where does Kyrie fit into all of this? Yeah, I mean, obviously his days in Brooklyn are as numbered as Kevin's. I don't, you know, his trade market right now is probably the exact opposite of Kevin's, right? For every option we just talked about with Kevin, yeah, there's a fraction of which for Kyrie. I'm sorry, Sam, you're going to be the third person to hear this joke today, but um, I've said with the Russell Westbrook thing, in a world in which Ben Simmons is not on the Nets, Maybe it's not the worst pill to swallow where you have him for a year and then he's gone. But John Wooden could not, for his basketball genius, construct a workable offense with Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons on the floor together. You're talking two non-shooters, guys that mainly go to the basket. I just don't know where you trade Kyrie if it if it well, if it is, you know, prior to last night, the three-team trade that I'd come up with and where Charlotte's the biggest loser, but maybe if they weren't going to resign Miles Bridges anyway, you look at Miles Bridges to Brooklyn, Kyrie to LA, uh, Russ to Charlotte. That's obviously off the table now given recent events. But I just don't know if you're the Nets. If you're going to ship Kyrie to LA and give him his wish, what you can get back that's worth it. Obviously, they want to unload Russ. That's not That makes no sense for the Nets. 
Then you look at the rest of the options. I mean, THT, Kendrick Nunn, you know, even on a rebuilding team or whatever we want to call this current Nets team we're talking about for next season, they don't really make a lot of sense to me. So I just don't know what's out there that's reasonable. And again, you're not trading Kyrie for full value anyway, given recent events. But I just don't see anything out there that I'm led to believe is is practical. Yeah, like Kyrie is now on an expiring contract as well. Yeah. Uh, He opted in. And look, I I don't have as much disdain for Kyrie as many others in the media do. Um, But... I think he is an unreliable actor in this scenario. If you're acquiring him, like, I don't think, you know, the way that, you know, the leaves are all going to fall at the end of your season. Once you have Kyrie and he's hitting the free agency market in a 2023 off season where many teams figure to have cap space. So I, I would be skeptical about all of that. And I don't know what you get for Kyrie. I I don't really know if you get much of, I I don't know if you get a ton of value for Kyrie. Like you might get a couple of first round picks, but like Kyrie is also for as much as we just talked about Kevin Durant being hall of famer, Kyrie is also going to be a hall of famer and is, you know, has won an Olympic gold medal and an NBA title and hit a game winning shot in an NBA championship. And like, you know, had a reasonable case to be on the NBA 75 team, even though I think I agree with their decision not to put him on. Like he has all of, he has a similar amount of attributes while being, you know, a couple of degrees lower than Kevin Durant. You should be able to get multiple first round picks, a ton of draft capital for him. And I just don't know if that's going to be out there. I agree with you. That That's a, that's a complicated one. Yeah. I would not, I don't even know if there's gambling lines on Kyrie trades, you know, over under one first round pick or anything like that. I would just be staying away from that stuff if, if it exists in general, because I, I truly have no idea. And honestly, I mean, if, if, if we were to get a phone notification right now of Kyrie being traded, I don't know if in the moment I'd be able to say if that's a good return or not, just because, as you said, you don't really know what you're getting until he's on the court. And obviously his availability can be sporadic. And I think the one good thing, though, with trading for Kyrie right now is kind of to your point, even though he hasn't opted in and, and there's been some questions with him, he's only a rental. Like, at worst, the team is only put you know dealing with him for one year and then can reevaluate from there. So I, I do think – I do think that is one of the good things going for his trade market in that it's not a long-term commitment given some of the red flags potentially. Okay, so I'm pulling up best odds here for Kevin Durant. Heat plus 300, Grizzlies plus 500, Suns plus 500, Hawks plus 550, Knicks plus 550, Clippers plus 600, Blazers plus 650, Bulls plus 1500. Nah, this is, this is not, this is too long ago. These are bad numbers. Uh, let's see here. Do we have, do we have better numbers? Uh, okay. We do have better numbers. I think that here we go. Suns plus 165, Heat plus 250, Nets plus 800, Remain. Uh, this is from DraftKings. Uh, Clippers plus 900, Bulls plus 1000. Blazers plus 1400, Sixers 1400, Grizzlies 1400, Celtics 1400, and then Bucks, Pelicans, Wolves, Warriors 2500, Lakers plus 3000. Any team that you think stands out there in terms of best odds to have Kevin Durant services next year? Wow, nothing for the Knicks, huh? Nothing for the Knicks, it looks like. Wow. 
Nothing for the uh, Raptors either, for what it's worth. So that yeah, like, yeah, some interesting uh, omissions there. Um, you know, I I I would take the Phoenix line, I guess, just because of some of the trades we discussed and how that seems to be the most practical. Um, you know, the Lakers and Clippers. I mean, never really made much sense. You know, some of these guys are so conscious of their legacy too. I I would be stunned if Kevin Durant's a Laker next year just because of LeBron James being on the team. Like, mm-hmm. I that that would just floor me. So. I think the Phoenix odds are probably the safest. I'm trying to think of who those teams on the bottom end you said might be the most bang for buck if it were to pay out. Um, well, the, the Pelicans at 25 to one we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's not a bad one right now. Actually, now that I think about it, yeah. I mean, look, if we're getting the Raptors at plus 3,500 or whatever the number would be, that'd be mine. Um, we don't have a number yeah. on the Raptors though, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I don't. And let's look. This comes from no inside information from me. Alex has some inside info that I don't think that uh, he really knows how this is going to end, though, at the very least. So no, I don't if I could predict that, the future. I'd be uh, I'd be in another profession right now, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. So, Alex, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people uh, what you've got coming up on all of this madness as you cover the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving saga uh, as the world turns in the NBA. Yeah, at Alex double underscore Schiffer, S-C-H-I-F-F-E-R. I had a story up with our own John Hollinger, Sam Amick, and Joe Varden on a Kyrie, on a, excuse me, a Kevin Durant Next Destination Roundtable. I kind of have like a Nets obituary dropping soon, and then something off of Patty Mills and Nick Claxton coming back, and then we'll see what other deals they make tonight. And then, of course, whenever the big shoe drops of Kevin and Kyrie getting traded, we'll have that too, so... uh yeah. Busy July, and I'm constantly reevaluating when we're going to write about at Summer League now that uh, recent events have unfolded. Can, can we just shout out Patty Mills? Patty Mills going back $7 million a year to the Brooklyn Nets. And, like, honestly, like, it feels like to me Patty Mills is going back because he wants to support Ben Simmons. Does it, like, it, like, it feels like that played yes. a role here. And I absolutely yes. love the fact that. Patty Mills is just like such a tremendous human being that like I can absolutely imagine that like playing a significant role in his eventual decision to stay with Brooklyn as opposed to like he could easily would have had many contender opportunities yeah. easily would have had whatever he could have wanted for about the same money 6.4 versus 7 million and he decided you know what I'm going to stay with my guy Ben in Brooklyn and you know they, they've obviously had a long-term relationship I love it I think it's just such a good deal. Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of Patty Mills. I've loved covering the past year. He likes to crack jokes with us. He's always off to the side if you want to make small talk with him. And kind of like I said earlier, we should all hope to have a friend like Kevin Durant. We should all hope to have a friend like Patty Mills, too. I mean, I kind of wonder, you know, obviously the Warriors were really affiliated with him in the offseason last year. He was in the sea of tranquility of San Antonio last year with all these the no drama and no part-time players to worry about, etc., and then he comes to Brooklyn and there's all this madness. He has to play more than he ever has before. I thought if I were him watching the NBA Finals, I would say, what am I doing? When he said decline a player option, you know, he was one I was – it was tough to get a market on. Him and Bruce Brown, who I don't think a sign still at the time we're recording this, have, have been the shoes to drop yet as to what happened um, with him. But with Patty, when I saw he was resigning, I was like, good for him, man. So I, I'm happy he's back and I'm enjoying – I've enjoyed covering, it, covering him. But, uh, yeah, as he said the night Ben Simmons got traded, I've had his back. I've always had his back, and I will always have his back. And uh, that that rings true now, which is a heartfelt way to end a ridiculous day. (laughs) 
Shout out to Alex. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I will be recording again, I would imagine, at some point in the next 24 hours. It could be in the next six hours. I don't know. I'm releasing this as a bonus episode on the podcast feed and over on YouTube immediately upon ending this recording. Shout out to Alex for coming on. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show. Go subscribe on YouTube. Go subscribe on the podcast feed. Whatever you're doing uh, to support the show is fantastic, and I appreciate it. We will be back later on today with more. Bye.